Hello everyone, welcome back to Daf Shavua as we study Maseches Ksuvos Daf Chaf. These are uh, not easy Gemaras, the last couple of Dapim and getting into uh, the Halachas of Shtaros, contracts. I appreciate uh, the questions and the hard work that everyone's putting into it. I want to explain to you before we really get into the Gemara something that happened this week that relates uh, to our Gemara. I'm going to be somewhat vague because I don't want to give away anything and any uh, private information. But I had a deal this week with a situation where there was an accusation that the signatures from a Besden, for whatever the issue was, there were three signatures, that they were actually forged. At least there was an accusation that two out of three were forged. When we looked at the second set of um, signatures, they didn't seem to match up with the first set of signatures. And this was an issue, because you end up with a star of uh, a forged star. Research was done by Besden, and there was a recognition that two of the three signatures that took place on the original document were done through digital signature, which the Besden felt was okay. You understand digital signature, it's done online. One of them was done with a regular hand signature. And then the person who felt that the wasn't witnesses, but the person who made the accusation that two of the three were forgeries was able to show handwritten examples from all three. But uh, the best in discussing it was able to confirm the digital signature. And I guess when you do a digital signature, it's not going to be an exact uh, replica of a hand signature. You know, if you look at a signature right on a paper as opposed to doing it digitally. So this uh, ties into our Gemara, of course, because the Gemara this week, is, which is an extension of what we saw last week, where the Rabbanon introduced the concept of Kiyom Shtaros. We're not just going to rely on what we see written down. You need to have some type of Kiyom Shtaros. And then, of course, the timing of when exactly the Adem come along, or a second set of Adem come along, and say there was a problem with the first set of Adem. Even if they say that they signed it, but they were Katanim at that point, or they were forced into it, we end up with these challenges. Now, a couple of concepts just to understand the Gemara which comes up a number of places, many places in Shas, probably most famously from those that have uh, learned Maseches Makos, which is a very common Masechta for people to learn. Okay, so we have a difference between what's called Eide HaChasha and Eide HaZama. We're not going to get into so many details, but what we need to know for the Gemara. Eide HaChasha is you have a contradiction between two sets of witnesses. And we're kind of at a standstill 
because we don't know which ones are right. And then, depending on the situation, depending on the case, depending on how we poskin, we'll see whether we listen to the first witnesses, the second witnesses, or there'll be a stalemate. Now, a stalemate, as the Gemara points out, is a machlokas, but the conclusion, and we'll see the halacha, will be that you more or less keep things where they are, which means you keep the status quo. Part of this is based on a concept we've already discussed of hamotim mechavero alavaraya. If you take away something from someone, you need a proof to it. So right now, it doesn't mean that the first witnesses were lying. It doesn't mean the second witnesses are lying. It just means we don't know what to do. So Rashi points out, if you look at Rashi, if it's a shtar milve, so that's going to favor the lova. If it's a shtar mecher, it's going to favor the person who sells. If you're dealing with metaltal and movable objects, that's going to be similar to the lova because hamotzi mechavera olavaraya. It's just a framework of how to deal with, let's say, Eidei HaChasha. And we will hopefully go into the Halacha, you go into the Rambam, and then you have a very, very long sif of the Shulchan Aruch that's uh, partially based on this daf. That's Eidei HaChasha. Eidei HaZama, which is a little more interesting and uh, could actually lead to some very, very uh, serious issues, is... It's not necessarily a contradiction. It's where a second set comes along and says that this first set, they couldn't have given testimony because they were with us. So what the Ede Hazama are doing, what, what the second set is, what they're trying to do, is let's say you had a situation. I mean, this is how people understand it from Makos. Two people come along and they testify that uh, Yankel killed Beryl, Shalom. But then you have Reuven and Shimon come along and make that testimony. But then Levi and Yehuda say, how's that possible that Reuven and Shimon are making that testimony? We don't know whether Yankel killed Beryl or not because we weren't there and Reuven and Shimon weren't there because they were with us. In that situation, that's not hachasha. It's not a contradiction because contradiction is when you have, let's say in our case, going back to our Gemara, you'll have uh, the Edom who signed. We believe their signatures, but then you have another set of Edom that come along and say, okay, those signatures were good, but they were Katanim, or they were forced into it. Or maybe there was no Kiyam Shtaros at all, which is likely what's going to end up happening because of those Kiyam Shtaros, the second set probably wouldn't really get off the ground. You see how complicated this could end up being. But that, that would be Eide HaChasha. They're not saying that these people were liars necessarily or trying to do damage to an uh, innocent uh, person, or at least innocent as far as we know, because we don't have anyone who saw the action that are able to testify about it. What our Gemara tries to explain is how there's certain aspects of Eide HaChasha and Eide HaZama that overlap. Specifically, that the Eide, when it comes to Eide HaZama, when it comes to a, a case of Eide Zomimim, when 
Levi and Yehuda say that Reuven and Shimon were not there because they were with us, they have to say it in front of Reuven and Shimon. You know, it's a lot. It's much easier to say something when you don't have to face the people that you're accusing. And then it's going to be the same with a Dehachasha. The problem that we're going to run into is what happens if the original Edom are no longer here. If the original Edom are no longer here, how could you then have a second set doing a de, uh, being a Dehachasha? Because you can't. You could only contradict if the people that you're contradicting are standing in front of you. So that's part of what's uh, being established as we get through this Gemara. I want to try to go through a few halachas that we could walk away with from the staff. If you look into the Rambam, Hilchas Edus, Perik Zion, Halacha Zion, we're going to do some jumping around in the Rambams. So the Rambam, bottom line, the halacha, says the following. So those are our first two witnesses that sign on the shtar, umesu, and they die. Now, when you get to the Shulchan Aruch, where this is discussed, in Choshen Mishpat, Hilchos Halva, Simon Memvav, Sif Lamed Zayin, the Mefarshim, including the Ramah, on the Shulchan Aruch, you see this also in the Urim of the Tumim, Yonis and Eibshitz, say it doesn't necessarily mean they die, but they're no longer accessible, even if they go Lamdinas Hayam. But again, let's go back to the Rambam. The two others come along and say it's true that these are legitimate signatures. So you're seeing over here a Kiyam Shtar is taking place. But, okay, it's their signatures, but they were either forced into it. They were either Katanim when they signed. Psuliadus, we say that they were Krovim. They were relatives. Or, you know, we're talking now about gambling time. I know Rabbi Wein gave a shear on this, and the Super Bowl's coming up when we're recording this. So you could have someone who's referred to as a Masachic Bakuvia person who bets. Now, there is a difference between the Ashkenazim and the Svaradim. You know, according to the Shulchan Aruch, even a, an occasional betting, you would probably be a pustle at I say probably because maybe there's some qualifications around it because there's something called a smachta. And in a smachta, everyone assumes that they're going to be uh, winning the gambling case. So you're really taking the money away from the person. That's the basis of why Masachi Kuvio would be Pasala According to the Ashkenazic Pesach of the Ramah, obviously based on Rishonim beforehand, the basis of the Pesula is um, because you're not contributing to society. You're not part of Yeshiva Olam in the proper way. And you know, I'm not going through the whole sugya, but just to give you some of the, the, the bottom lines, so that would then depend on, okay, are you occasional gambler or are you a, a professional gambler? And there may be a little bit area in between. If you're doing this on a consistent basis, so definitely professionally, you're not contributing to the world in that way, and that person is knocked out of ADUS. We basically assume that their their view of reality 
is not reliable enough to be uh, aidus. So it's a different form of psuleidus. But getting back to our case, the Rambam reinforces that even if you have kiyum shtaros taking place from the outside, with whichever ways we've gone through, we've basically shown three, and our Gemara introduced a fourth possibility. You'll see when we get to the Shulchan Aruch, there's five different ways to, of Kiyom Shtaros. But the bottom line is, This is like our Hachasha situation, or Trey or Trey. You have two saying it's legit, and you have two, and that, that means who are the two say it's legit? The people who signed it. They're basically speaking, as we spoke about last week, definitely on a derisa level. But then, even with Kiyam Ashtaros, which is a Drabanon, you then have two other people functioning and saying, Shehidu Aleim, Shehid Basulin, so therefore, Vein Govan Boklum, you stay in the status quo. And we explain that as well, of the, I always like the term, okay, which is, uh, what we're saying about keeping everything in its position of uh, where it is. So they end up canceling out each other, and then you go, have to go through the halachos depending on what's the nature of the contract. I want to point out also that you know people are under the misimpression that this is irrelevant because in, in United States law, you don't necessarily have all the same requirements. You don't necessarily have, even as far as Psuleidus, who's knocked out, you don't necessarily need to aid them. But you have to understand that what we call Dina Mahusa Dina, which does apply in the economic realm, not in areas of Isravahedr, but that's going to serve as the minimum standard, not as the maximum standard. And if we're dealing with two Jews, this is going to have to be adjudicated in a Besden, right, there's a prohibition to go to Arkos. Now, sometimes in these types of situations, even Lahalacha, it's fine that you could have Pshara. You could have some type of settlement, whether it's forced arbitration, you know, or at least it's a binding arbitration, mediation. So whoever's taking, whoever's the mediator, is going to know the secular law because you don't necessarily have to follow in mediation, halachic mediation, halacha straight down because a person could decide that even if even though you need a proof to take the money away from someone, if somebody wants to give up the money, it's okay. In mediation, you end up with compromise. But a good mediator that I call a halachic mediator knows the secular law, knows the Jewish law, and presents it as, as clearly as possible to both sides in these types of conflicts. And again, you have conflicts, major contracts that are between people. Sometimes it could be over a party. You know, two people are going to sponsor a party together. And then there was some kind of uh, break in the middle. Who's responsible? You, you have vendors involved. So many different things that could happen. You have two charities that are aligned, but then there's a breakage within the charity. So these cases will end up going to a Bezdin. You know, the Medrash tells us in Mishpatim that uh, the purpose of a Bezdin is to bring peace between people. 
It's not usually what happens, but that doesn't mean the purpose isn't the correct purpose. So these halachas are supposed to settle conflict, not generate more conflict. Unfortunately, that's what happened. But again, it's not a chisaran in the halacha, it's a chisaran in uh, the way human beings work. Now, the Gemara introduces us to a very interesting personality that we met before. Who met him before? Those of us that were learning uh, Maseches Yuvamas. Now, this goes back a really long time because we spent a, a couple of years on Maseches Yuvamas. You go back to Daflamid Aleph Hamid Aleph and Maseches Yuvamas. I'm not testing you. We met someone named Dvarshtaya. Now, is Dvarshtaya an explanation of a description of someone? Was it someone's name? Bottom line is, is discussing someone who, let's bottom line it in the Rambam. The Rambam says, Misha hu There's someone who goes back and forth between being stable mentally and at other times we'd say he's incapable or unstable as far as his mind, mind set his ability to make choices. So we end up in a very difficult situation because how do we know if a contract that this individual signed is a valid contract? How do we know if he's involved in selling an item or that's what you end up in the Gemara with? Or if he inherits something which is a little less complicated as the Gemara points out, but then when he's involved in selling the item that he inherited, was he of, was he a shot at that point? Which we would say doesn't count because the person is puzzled to be involved, whether as an aid or even as a seller, as a buyer, a lender or a borrower. Or was he a shafoy, where you would be able to trust him if he's, if he's in a situation where he's thinking straight. Now, when you look into the Shulchan Aruch on this, the Shulchan Aruch and Koshim, so the Rambam discusses this in Hilchos Mechira, because that's the classic case where there's a sale taking place. Perchav tes halacha hey. The Shulchan Aruch in Choshen Mishpat, Hilchos Ona Umekachtos, very interesting just to look at the title. We're not going to deal with the Ona right now, but Mekachtos is if you end up having a sale, and then you find out that one of the parties to the sale was a shota, then that sale is going to be taken away. That's also going to fit under mekachtos, which is a mistake. Mekachtos could fit, be many different ways. You know, you, you kind of fabricated what exactly you're selling. Ona is when you're charging too much as well. Now, with karka, you don't necessarily have ona, but with metaltalim, you do, with movable items. What the Shulchan Aruch says over here is the burden on, of these halachos should not be on the Bezdin. The initial burden, this is what you have Edim for. The witnesses have to, if you're signing on to something, you have to be aware of the mental uh, condition of the person who's involved. You know, if you see the guy is drunk, you, you're not gonna, you can't sign on to it. It's very important. Uh, I was once at a chasana, no one from Ketatora, of course, 
And there was, uh, the I don't want to say who, but uh, the father of either the chassan or the kala, I want to leave it as vague as possible, the guy was clearly a shikr. He was drunk. So part of uh, Tanayim is you have to, the, the father is a makabel, Kenyan. Now, Tanayim's not such a big deal today. So it's interesting what ended up happening. I really don't want to say. You know, maybe somebody else was able to stand in, but then you, if it's the father's responsibility, you can't even assign a shliach if he's wasted. So these, these are real practical halachas. The mental stability doesn't necessarily mean that it's inherent, which is the case here, but it could also be the status quo or what's happening at the person at, at that point. If he's drunk, if he's high, something else took place. You know, maybe just a terrible headache and can't concentrate. So the bottom line is that the Shulchan Aruch says is the burden on the Edom to understand and to figure out. Don't be an aid. Don't sign on to a contract if you can't figure out if a person is thinking clearly or whether at that moment at least they're uh, a shota or acting in an inappropriate way. Now, the last thing I wanted to share with you, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about on this daf, is a very interesting Shulchan Aruch and Chosheh Mishpat, Hilchas Hava. Now, a lot of the Shulchan Aruch is based on Agamara, but as you'll see, there's also going to be some outside sources that impact the Shulchan Aruch. We're talking about Kiyom Shtaros, which is really going back to the beginning of this year, I was telling you about the case that I was dealing with, the attempt to establish the signatures. That's Kiyom Shtaros, Bizman Hazeh. So I want to read you the Shulchan Aruch. It's in Choshe Mishpat Hilchas which is the laws of uh, lending and borrowing, but this applies to other cases as well. Mechira, selling as well, would be the same. Simon Memvav Siv Zayin. So the Shulchan Aruch says, Be'echad mi'chamisha drachen, miskayim hashtar. You could have Kiyom Hashtaros, again, which is firming up the signatures on the contract in five different ways. So last week I told you about three. We had a fourth in the Gemara today. Now you get to five. And he goes through it. I'm going to read it quickly. That the judges recognize themselves the signatures of the Yedem. This is not the same as what we call last week the Henpeck, where you have a document's in the court, this would be the Dayanim themselves recognize the signatures. Hasheni, sheyichtemu ha'edim b'fneham, where you actually had the Edom sign in front of them. So then clearly the Dayanim are saying that these were legitimate uh, witnesses. The Dayanim, in a way, there, it's like a double protection going back to what we spoke about before. Hashlishi, the third way, sheyavo ha'edim ha'chasumim bo, the ones that signed end up showing up in front of court, and each witness says, Zek Zekzavyadi, right? Each one says, I'm an A, I was an A, and the other, right? Each one says that I was the A. Haravi, the fourth case, is Shiavo Edim Vyadu, Shizekzavyadam, Sha'elu, that you end up having other witnesses that come along to say that we recognize the signatures of the first two witnesses, the people who signed the contract. 
the last thing the Shulchan Aruch says, Hachamishi shiheik sav yadam yotze mishtaras acheros. Right, that's what we call the henpeck that the Bezdin has on file other shtaros. Now there is a discussion with those others, with those other shtaros themselves confirmed. Was there once a question that came up with those shtaros? But just leaving it as the Bezdin itself is able to confirm it based on past documents. You see a little bit of uh, more in the Shulchan Aruch, then you see in the Gemara the role that Bezdin plays in this. So the Bezdin's not, in this situation, is not just um, settling a case. They're actually pl- pay, playing an active role. And what a Bezdin would do is, did we ever do business with these people before? Was there ever a conflict before? You could see how people in general who get involved in conflict may get have to go to a Bezdin uh, more than once. Or sometimes, again, as we said, there's just a simple misunderstanding between people. If someone in town's doing a lot of business, there's a good chance that he's going to be in Bezdin more than one time. It's not a negative. So they'll be able to firm up the the documents. You may have the same people, the same friends that are signing on uh, multiple contracts, which is uh, would be a very common situation. Okay, let's keep going strong. Hilchos Taros in Maseches Ksuvos. Have a great week of learning.